The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor and I'm the father of twin boys. I think I got that right. Uh, <laughs> my name is <laughs> Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I have no idea what George said next, but I work as a CPA and I am a mom to three girls. Eric, who are you? 
so this is Eric. Um, I'm an endurance athletic coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father to three teenagers and the husband to a beautiful wife. All right, on. All right, let's talk about who it is we're going to be interviewing tonight. Um, uh, last week, I called up Wilkerson Given um, and got together with him on Zoom and talked to him about being a professional runner and now being a business owner and the venture he's into and all that sort of thing. So uh, Wilkerson grew up in the area around Birmingham, Alabama, uh, in Mountain Brook, Alabama. Um, he was a high school runner and he ran kind of what high school runners run. Honestly, um, he ran like low to mid 16s for 5K. He ran a little bit under 10 minutes for for two miles. Um, and then he went off to Furman um, and ran cross country and track there. Um, as you'll hear us talk about, he mostly ran the 800 and the mile when he was there. He also, of course, like I said, ran cross country. He was coached by an Olympian um, who went to Ohio State named Robert Gary. Um, and as soon as he was graduated from Furman, he started running with this sort of semi-pro Furman elite group um, and immediately started moving up to longer distances. Um, he qualified for the marathon Olympic trials, the Olympic marathon trials in 2016 by running a fast half marathon um, and competed there um, and then dedicated himself to trying to run a good marathon, uh, kind of put himself on a timetable, said, I want to requalify for the Olympic trials. And by 2020, I hope I will have figured out this marathon thing. Um, he moved to Texas for a little while, then moved back to Atlanta and joined the ATC, the Atlanta Track Club elite team, um, and had a big breakthrough race in 2019 in Chicago, where he ran 211. Um, and with that 211 in Chicago going into the 2020 Olympic marathon trials, I would say that he was sort of on the list for a dark horse candidate for the, for the Olympic team. Um, and uh, didn't have his best race at the Olympic trials, um, but uh, then of course had to, along with the rest of us, try and deal with the fact that, that uh, the world is shut down and racing has stopped over the course of last year. So we talk a lot about all of those sorts of things. Um, and then at the same time, um, in about 2016, um, he and a friend of his uh, named James Perez, who was one of his teammates and good friends from Furman, um, started a nut butter company uh, called Stoke, Stoke Performance. They had a different name for it initially, and then eventually they changed to Stoke, and, and now you can check it out and uh, um, buy Stoke on Amazon or on their website or um, at a couple of running specialty stores. Um, around the South. So Michelle, you tried some, didn't you go out and actually specifically buy Stoke today just so you could talk about it right now on the podcast? Wow. I might've <laughs> <laughs> happens to be that my office is uh, a few miles from West stride. West stride posted today that they had been stock and you told us how much you enjoyed tasting it because you bought your own three pack. I did. Um, so yeah, I went the completely opposite way that I needed to to go home, walked in, bought it, left, tried it. I think it's great. Um, so, but peanut butter lovers, beware of the podcast because I'm now kind of vacillating on whether I'm going to keep eating peanut butter or, you know, listen to everything that the podcast teaches us about why maybe peanuts and peanut butter isn't the best pre-run, pre-race all day long you know, snack to put into our system. So right on, right on. Very good. Eric, you've listened to part of the, the interview. I know at this point, what do you have to add? 
Well, you know, I, I think the story about how he, I like the way you opened it, you know, you asked him, you know, how he kind of got where he is and I enjoyed him kind of working his way up through high school and, and getting into that, the Olympic trials and just talking about, I, I may have heard him incorrectly, but was that the first marathon he'd ever run? Yeah. The 2016 Olympic marathon trials was the first marathon he ever ran. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Worst day ever welcome, for a marathon. Welcome to marathon. Right. <laughs> you know, when, when I talk to my runners about marathon, it's 10 miles, 10 miles, 10 K and that last 10 K can be tough. Yep. That last which 10 K can which, be really which, tough. Which is exactly what he said, which is exactly what he learned. He said it took him four years right. to figure out that last six miles. So very good. Very good. Uh, well, without further ado, then let's go ahead and jump into our interview with uh, Wilkerson Gibbon. Wilkerson Gibbon, welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So you are a professional runner. You are an Olympic marathon trials qualifier. You are the founder of Stoke, which I look forward to talking to you about all those sorts of things. But let's talk about where you began with running. Uh, you're from Birmingham, right? I am. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, ran at Mount Brook High School. Um, and from there, went to Furman University mm -hmm. and uh, cross country and track at, at Furman. After Furman had an opportunity, uh, the, my, my coach at the time had started a professional group based at Furman called Furman Elite, mm -hmm. um, Coach Robert Gary. Yeah. Had an opportunity to um, run, run with that group, ran, ran with them through. Um, 2016 up until the mm -hmm. 2016 Olympic trials, mm -hmm. um, ran the, the marathon at the trials and then actually ended up taking a job with a hydration company called SOS, uh, moved out to Houston, Texas, um, got connected to, um, Dan green and his team, team green running, mm -hmm. um, up there in, in the woodlands, Texas and ran with them through 2018. Um, and at that time, my position at, at SOS, um, actually became flexible and just, you know, wanted to be back in the Southeast being from, um, Birmingham and having a lot of friends and family, you know, in the Southeast and, um, Atlanta made a lot of sense with, you know, hearing great things about the Atlanta track club and just kind of the opportunity there. So mm -hmm. moved, moved to Atlanta, joined the Atlanta track club and, uh, that's, that's where I'm today. Very good. Very good. You said that Robert Gary was your coach at Furman, right? Yes. Yep. So Robert Gary, an Olympian and, and national cross country champion. He's right about my age. And so he was actually at Ohio State when I was at Georgia Tech competing. So I always remember seeing his name in the national results there. So very good. Um, is he the one that convinced you to try the marathon? He, he is actually, um, funny enough. So um, and in college, obviously, you know, was, was doing shorter stuff, uh, really was always better cross country, um, track. I, I, I did the mile and, uh, coach Gary actually got me doing the, the steeplechase my senior year. Yeah. I bet he did. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think every athlete, um, that, that coach Gary coaches at, at some point at least gives it a, a go. Um, right. Right. But, well, I mean, when you're, when your coach is an Olympian in the steeplechase, that makes sense, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. And very technically sound knows how to coach it very well. So, right. Um, you know, did that. And, and then after graduating, I actually was going to kind of, you know, pursue that more because I just started doing it my, my senior year. Mm. Um, and Coach Gary just kind of recognized that, um, you know, I was better in cross country, was, you know, excelling at, at the longer stuff and 
um, signed me up for, uh, it was actually beta breakers, um, a road race out in, in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, it's a 12k, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ran that one and did better than, than kind of either one of us expected. I think, uh, mm-hmm. not anything crazy, but, um, just kind of better than, than, than both of us had thought. And, um, at that point decided, uh, kind of move up the training and, and, you know, give, give the marathon a, a shot. Um, so then first, first really, I guess, kind of attempt at, you know, marathon realm event was the half marathon, um, in Houston mm-hmm. went out there first half marathon ever. And, um, you know, it's, I guess, 2015 at, at, at that time. And, you know, wanted to give the, um, Olympic trials qualifying time a, a shot. So went out there with the plan of really just being, you know, right at, cause at the time it was under 65 minutes, um, mm-hmm. qualify you. And so went out there with a the plan of really, you know, trying to be as, as close to, you know, 64, 59 as possible, mm-hmm. um, but ended up kind of feeling good from the start and, and really, <laughs> you know, uh, going out much faster than, than, <laughs> I, than I should have. And, um, had been sternly told not to do that <laughs> and kind of looked at me and was like, Oh man, I'm, I'm like, you know, almost 10 seconds under pace per mile. Um, but I was feeling good. So I just kind of held it and ended up running, um, 63, 33, um, crossing the finish line and being like, man, that was, that was easy. All right. <laughs> and so at that point it was kind of cemented that, that I was going to be a marathoner. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I was looking back through your results and I saw that you ran the 800 and the mile so much throughout the course of time at Furman. And I was like, well, how did you make that transition to marathon? But yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then you just kind of continue chipping away at it. Right. So, so you qualified for the 2016 trials and you ran those, right? Yep. And uh, the trials was my, my first full marathon ever. So. Okay. Okay. In the, in the heat in LA, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, just kind of the, the personality I have in the, the, the racer that I am, I, I went for it, you know, it, it's the Olympic trials, you know, you, you're there to try to make the team, you know, that's mm-hmm. the point of the race. So, um, put my, put myself in it and ended up, um, <laughs> having a really rough last six miles. Um, but was in it through 20. I was, I was right there. Um, mm-hmm. could almost touch the, the camera that was filming us. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that, that's so much of how those, those races go down is that the pack, it's almost like a bike race. The pack like stays together and just one person gets shed off and then another, then another, and another. So, so yeah, yeah very so, good. We get down to, I think the pack was about, about 10 people. Um, mm-hmm. I eventually just mm-hmm. tip all and had a terrible last six miles, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, so they, they say that it's always more motivating to almost reach your goal than to totally miss it. So was the fact that you like were there or you felt like you were there with only 10 K to go, did that spur you on to say, I want to try this again? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, just knowing that, you know, it, at that point it was such a new event to me, new, um, you know, type of training, just whole new, um, you know, part of running that I just hadn't really, um, dove into and just kind of having that confidence that, you know, knowing now that I can, I can run with anybody, in the country through at least 20 miles. I just got to figure out the, I've got four years to figure out the last six, which is very tough. <laughs> the last six in the race, which you've mm-hmm. come to find out. But yeah, at the time it was like, Oh man, I'm like six miles away from, you know, having a shot at making, you know, the team there. So mm-hmm. definitely very motivating. 
Very cool. Very cool. Um, and so, so you go to the woodlands for a while and then you come back to Atlanta. Um, and then in 2000, what was it? 2019 in Chicago where you ran to 11. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so you were part of that big group along with one of your, your ATC teammates, um, and several others that, that ended up running under 212 there, which was, you know, for those of us who are fans of the sport and that live in the Atlanta area, it was cool to see, man. What was that like to actually have that big breakthrough? Yeah, it, it was awesome. Um, and funny enough, tra so training had been going really well um, leading up to the race. And, um, you know, it was just kind of gaining confidence throughout the, the training cycle. And then um, three weeks before the race, um, I strained my hamstring hmm. and basically had to take full uh, two full weeks of, of no running, just cross training mm -hmm. uh, right before the race. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I strained it three weeks out, had two weeks of basically no running, just some, some cross training. And then was able to start running again that last week before the race. So um, definitely a tough mental place to be in because, yeah. you know, I, I knew I was fit, um, but having that, you know, I mean, our, our, our breaks when we, you know, shut down and kind of reset are two weeks long. So it's like, I've basically, you know, taken a, a reset here yeah. and I've got this huge race and a marathon's not, you know, you can't fake a marathon. Right. Um, you can kind of have a, you know, great day and the mile just kind of hits, everything hits right. But if you're not fit for the marathon, you can't, you can't fake 26.2 miles. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that final week was, was pretty, um, mentally tough to kind of get out in and convince myself that I was fit. And then also my hamstring was going to hold up. Um, mm -hmm. I was still, yeah. you know, feeling it on runs and being like, man, it, it could pull at any second. Mm -hmm. um, so on the starting line of that race, I'm sitting there thinking like, I just hope my hamstring holds up. Um, but, you know, I was able to kind of shut those, you know, distractions off and, and trying to, yeah, just kind of convince myself that I was fit and, and, you know, again, you know, put myself, put myself in it. Um, and it ended up being a, a great day at Chicago, great weather. Um, and then, yeah, just having that, that pack of Americans was, was really helpful too. Um, just seeing those guys knowing, you know, these are guys that, you know, I compete against often. I know I'm, you know, kind of familiar with their running styles and, um, how they're going to, you know, play this race out. And then having, I mean, we had excellent pacing from, um, to Northern Arizona elite guys. Um, we didn't actually know that they were, they were pacing, uh, going in, but we, you know, figured it out within about a mile, um, mm -hmm. uh, that it was going to be, you know, they were, they were shooting for right around five minute pace, um, and took us through halfway, just spot on. Um, at that point it was just maintaining. Um, I do, I do look back on it. I have kind of one regret. There was a, a point, um, I guess it was probably, mile 21 to 22 um mm -hmm. where there was kind of a um, gap that formed within our group um you know some of the guys that ended up running under 211 um kind of picked it up and formed a, it was actually at a, at a water at a water stop um which those are those are hectic anyway and gap opened and i was kind of at the front of the, the second pack and at that point you know was really pleased with the pace we were running and um you know having that hamstring in the back of my mind i i made the decision you know i i had to make a decision right there whether to you know speed up and, and catch that group or 
um, kind of maintain what I was was holding and made the decision ultimately to, to you know, kind of hold back um, and try to secure, a, you know, a, a good time. Just didn't want to risk the, the hamstring mm-hmm. going on me, making a, a big move sure. you know, that, that, that late in the race. But, um, you know, looking back on it, it's definitely the, if I had a regret from that race, it was that moment. Um, but, it, but then again, you know, if, if I had made that move, who knows what right. might've happened to my hamstring. So it's a little bit of a, a what if, but um, yeah. definitely, you know, something to remember, you know, going forward is an opportunity to, you know, do even better. Well, just, just, you know, run under 210 and, and, you know, you won't worry about that anymore. Right. Just, just PR again. And, and, you know, you won't, you won't ever think about that. <laughs> um, that, 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 um, that race also just builds a lot of confidence for me, you know, having strained my hamstring right before yeah. and, and missing that time. It's like, man, you know, if I can still run that and, and basically, you know, take two weeks off right before the race, um, you know, what, what could I do if I had an even better block and didn't strain my hamstring, um, and kind of have those doubts, you know, before, um, so definitely, you know, have some things to look forward to. For sure. For sure. Do you feel like you've got it figured out the marathon thing that, that four years you were taking to learn that last six miles, do you feel like you got it figured out? I, I really did going into the trials, um, you know, that momentum, I, I felt like my trajectory was really good um, going into the trials. Um, you know, Chicago was obviously a great confidence booster. And, you know, off of that, again, you know, having that hamstring being like, okay, you know, I ran this this time. It, it's, you know, one of the, you know, top times, um, you know, in the country at, at, at that at that point. Um, you know, I, I feel good about the trajectory I'm on right now. And then unfortunately we went to, uh, Albuquerque for our, our training block before the trials and my Achilles just absolutely blew up, um, and had the roughest training block you can even imagine. I, I, I think I had like 10 days strung together of consistent running and was just cross training pretty much the whole, the whole block. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually the, the week before the trials, I got sick, went to the doctor, um, and he diagnosed it as, as bronchitis. Um, and looking back on it, you know, the, the trials were at the end of February, right. flown back from Albuquerque. It was like, man, that, that actually might've been you, you, you do kind of wonder, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And the crazy thing is, so I, I, you know, got it that week before, um, you know, obviously had it for the trials. And then, um, after that, I couldn't shake it. I, I had it for hmm. another month, month and a half, took an antibiotic, um, hmm. went, went back to the doctor after the trials, got, got the antibiotic, did nothing. Um, so yeah, looking back on, it, I was like, man, <laughs> I think hmm. I might've had COVID for the race, but, wow. um, at, at that point it was, it was bronchitis. So right. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, just the, the worst, um, you know, events that could have taken place right before the trial. So, right. Right. Clearly, clearly. How was the, uh, so, so given all of that, I mean, the trials race, it was in Atlanta, it was in your hometown. Yeah. I mean, how, how was the overall experience? I mean, the race itself was fantastic. The Atlanta track club did a phenomenal job, um, putting it on and yeah, I mean, the, the atmosphere was insane. I mean, every point in the, the course had at least I'd say five people deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've never experienced a race like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
unfortunately for me, it was the accumulation of a lot of disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> was, yeah. um, but, you know, I've been looking forward to that race, you know, since 2016, right. hungry, hungry to, to really give myself a shot. And after, um, you know, Chicago was like, man, um, you know, I've got one of these, um, you know, kind of top times, you know, I'm not out of contention here. Like I've really got, I've really got a shot. And then, um, you know, training camp, Achilles, you know, blown up and, and kind of realizing after about two weeks that this wasn't going to be just a, you know, quick little um, detour. This was going to be something that really kind of takes me out and just kind of every day at training camp, just watching it kind of slip through my fingers a little bit. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, ultimately getting, you know, bronchitis the week before. And then, um, you know, still, still trying to put myself in the, the middle place, to, um, you know, race and, and kind of, do something phenomenal, but ultimately just, you know, not having, not having a great day. Mm -hmm. um, so personally it was, it was a tough, a tough day and, um, you know, kind of tough pill to swallow. I do say kind of, thankfully I, I had kind of seen it coming. So it wasn't an all at once disappointment. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I kind of calloused myself a little bit for what, what might happen. Um, mm -hmm. but I mean, the race, the race itself couldn't have been, um, better, better put on. Um, it was a phenomenal event, um, for sure. Yeah. I think it was, I, I, I think, I think there's pretty widespread agreement on that. So, so yeah. yeah. And, and compared to 2016, it, it was night and day because 2016, mm. um, was a little bit of a disaster, um, <laughs> organiza organization wise, um, mm. just kind of having a, a freak hot day and, uh, um, race, you know, organization really not being completely prepared for that um hmm. kind of set up a um less than less than ideal event for sure for sure well so then of course we all know what happened after the trials the trials like snuck in there immediately prior to to everything shutting down everything shut down within the next two weeks um and so i mean for lack of a better way of asking this question you know as a as a professional athlete as a, as a professional runner how have you been handling the last year yeah, it's, it's been tough. Um, you know, it's obviously something that nobody expected. And, um, you know, as, as a professional runner, you know, the, the highlight of, of, you know, being involved in the, the sport is competing, um, mm -hmm. and kind of having that taken away. And, you know, a lot of, you know, my goals and I know every runner's goals are, are, you know, based on, on races. So kind of having that, um, stripped with, you know, an undetermined, period of, um, you know, no finite end, um, it's definitely kind of, uh, a time when you have to mentally buckle down and, you know, make the best of a, a bad situation. Um, you know, really, um, it, you know, it, it's just tough to kind of stay motivated day in and day out when you don't have, you know, a race on the calendar to really be looking forward to. So it's, um, just, you know, holding yourself accountable and, and, you know, trying to, still push yourself, you know, without, without those, um, you know, near goals, I guess. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you've been able to do that pretty well? Cause it sounds hard the way you describe it. <laughs> yeah, and, and with, and with, um, you know, our, our team, even our team at, you know, meeting up for practice and, um, you know, having facilities to, um, do workouts after, I mean, for a while in Atlanta, even, you know, the, the silver comet trail was, was closed down. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Piedmont Park was, 
you know, very, um, you know, not, a, not a great place to run, even if you could. Um, and the, the Cochrane Shoals trails, um, were, were, I guess, kind of half closed down for a little bit. So even just finding places to run, uh, mm-hmm. the parking lots for places were closed. So it was, it was hard to even, you know, find places to run, which is absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as, you know, meeting up, um, was even more difficult. So mm-hmm. it was really, you know, on, on each athlete to, you know, try to find opportunities to get out and, 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 you know, and train. Um, I, I feel like I'm pretty good on self-motivation. Um, you know, I think, I think most professional runners are, I think it just kind of comes with, uh, the territory, you know, running is a, is a tough endeavor and, um, you know, to, to be successful at it, I think you, there's a certain level of discipline and um, ability to push yourself that you kind of have to inherently have. Mm-hmm. Um, so motivation has never really been an issue um, for me. Um, and I, I know, you know, a lot of my teammates as well. So um, it wasn't a huge struggle to, to stay motivated throughout it, but um, it definitely made it less than ideal. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Um, well, let's talk about something else that I know that you probably spent a lot of time doing over the course of the past year. Um, and, and that is working on your business, um, Stoke, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Tell um, us about that. Yeah. Been a really fun project to work on. Um, so yeah, started, started the company, um, you know, as, as Stoke at the end of 2020, um, but really had the ideas as far back as, as 2016, um, you know, being involved in the endurance sports community, you know, specifically running. Uh, just kind of noticed that everybody I knew trained with, um, you know, it had come across was, was eating peanut butter before <laughs> training and exercise, um, whether it was, you know, an oatmeal on a banana by the spoon, um, in a bar. And, uh, there's actually, a an article put out in, in 2016, right before the Rio Olympics, interviewing athletes of all different sports, basketball, gymnastics, um, so many different sports and asking them what they ate before competition. And just about every single one of them had peanut butter in some form, Hmm. um, and kind of taking that knowledge and, and pairing it with, um, kind of what I had studied. I I studied nutrition a little bit in college and, um, have worked with nutritionists kind of throughout my career and have always been recommended to kind of steer away from peanut butter, um, just kind of has some inherent inflammatory properties and, and really isn't, you know, the optimal fuel that you could be eating. Um, so it was kind of a, a light bulb moment where it was like, you know, everybody is eating peanut butter and expecting to perform optimally, but peanut butter, you know, isn't optimal fuel. Mm. So it was like, well, you know, I, I love nutrition, you know, let me try to create something that would be the optimal fuel. Uh, so that's kind of where the, the idea came from. And, um, was fortunate enough one of my um or you know my best friend um james perez um mm-hmm. we ran together at at Furman and mm-hmm. um you know just became 2018 friends. charlotte marathon champion james perez correct exactly yep yep um so teammate at Furman and um you know kind of you know brought the idea to him and you know we kind of talked about it and um you know started kind of prototyping um, some different formulas and, um, decided to, you know, kind of, kind of run with it. Um, 
and you know it, at that time um you know it was still kind of idea kind of an idea and um you know life you know just kind of happened and but then in, in 2019 um really started kind of talking about it more and, and pursuing it more and, and got connected to a co-packer um up in up in charlotte and at that point had a a pretty good formula iteration that we we had and um, decided to, to try doing a, a small little production run just to see, you know, how the, how the formula would do at scale. We had done a lot of product testing with friends and family and, um, you know, it's kind of finally time to, to, you know, put our money where the mouth, where our mouths were and, and do a production run. So, um, did a small little production run at the end of 2019, um, actually under our, our first name grind, um, and, went in really not knowing what to expect. Um, you know, had a general idea of how it would work, but um, just went in and, and learned a ton. Um, the product we came out with was good, but it wasn't great. Um, okay. It wasn't kind of what we ultimately had hoped and um, kind of took that and took what we had learned, went back to the drawing board a little bit, reformulated our original flavor um, worked on two new flavors, the, the ones we have now, cinnamon, pecan, and, and dark chocolate hazelnut. And at the end of, um, and then, you know, obviously the, the pandemic happened in, in 2020. Um, but then at the end of uh, 2020, had an opportunity to go in and, and do another production run um, with that same co-packer and, you know, went in and, and, and did it and the, the product came out uh, really good and, and the product that we that we have now. Um, cool. and after that, that first production run, um, you know, ended up selling out with, within a month, um, which was was really awesome and, and um, a, a good, you know, proof of concept for us a little bit. So uh, mm -hmm. very cool. Very cool. All right. I have a couple of questions about the process that you've just described already. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so first question. So you and your friend James, um, y'all are teammates at Furman. Like you said, he went to Bishop Kenny High School, I know, which is like cross-country powerhouse in Florida for decades. But um, used to always run against them, even when I was way back in high school at the Florida State Invitational. But um, and then, of course, went to running camp with uh, with all those guys and stuff back in the day, too. But anyway, um, uh, so you and James start having these conversations. I mean, how did the conversation actually start? Like, like, dude, everybody eats peanut butter, but peanut butter is so bad for you. Well, what would... I mean, is that kind of how it went, literally? Um, I mean, James and I are, are best friends. So, you know, we, um, you know, talk all the time. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just kind of an idea. It was, you know, um, it's it's something that, you know, I think we both ate peanut butter, you know, before. And, and mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of my knowledge of, you know, studying nutrition and, mm -hmm. and again, you know, working with some nutritionists um it was like man it's it, there's there's an opportunity here because so many people are eating it mm -hmm. um and you're not not that peanut butter is the worst thing in the world to eat but if you're you know trying to be a you know high level athlete mm -hmm. and that's what you're eating it's kind of um you know there's a blind spot there it's you know you could be eating something better that's gonna you know age your per performance more um, right Right. So, so, so when did, so when did you cross the threshold then between it being like this idea that y'all were just kind of discussing in 2016 and like actually starting it and experimenting with it and all that sort of thing. I mean, cause that, there was a three year stretch there where you said like you were giving it to your friends and your family and stuff, which 
I don't, I, I'm like picturing that whole scene, <laughs> which, which gets into like the second question I had. And that's like, did you just like start buying nuts and just like mixing them together in your kitchen or, or, or how did that, how that actually happen? So, so take it like, like what, what's that three-year block there when y'all are actually developing the product? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it definitely, so again, I, I love nutrition um, and you know, I, I enjoy, um, you know, experimenting with, with different healthy foods and, um, and everything. So really, I mean, creating the, the formula, you know, you think of it as a food product, it's a recipe, you know, you're in the, the kitchen, like, you know, Martha Stewart or something, baking something <laughs> up, you know, creating this delicious recipe. Um, but it really, like, it was more, I, I describe it more as like a, a math problem. Mm. You know, I'm, I've kind of earmarked certain key nutrients that I want to be in it. And then I'm finding ingredients that are high in those nutrients and then combining those ingredients, you know, in a way where I'm hitting the, the levels that I want of those nutrients. And then the little bit of margin that's left is to play around with taste. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, really based on the nutrition profile of, of the product more so than, um, you know, the, I mean, you know, anything else. So. Hmm. and then and then and then you make your family try it <laughs> yep. I've, I've always been um you know kind of experimenting with different recipes i've um you know even in college and before you know would play around with different you know bar recipes and stuff and i i had some some bad ones too <laughs> ones, that, ones that nutritionally were just incredible but people would try and be like oh this is awful <laughs> so they have one that was actually really good was I think a shock for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, right on. Very good. They're like, wait a second, you might actually be on to something here, Wilkerson. Yeah, Very yeah. good. Right on. Um, so so you start marketing, like you said, that that first production run is sold out and you're having to go back for a second production run and everything. That's very cool. Um, have you been using it yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's, that's really how it started, was you know, is mm -hmm. is you know, fuel for my you know how can I get an edge, you know, um, let me create something for myself. And then it was, you know, oh, this is really good. Um, you know, James is using it. It's, it's, it's like, okay, you know, this is, um, something that people, you know, we're, we're giving it to friends. They like it, they're using it. It's like, okay, like this is actually something that, you know, people would, would like and, and use, uh, right so on. That, that's ultimately, you know, kind of what led to, you know, really starting the business. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. And so you said that, that to, you, you're trying to create an optimal fuel for optimal performance. So, so what is it that actually makes the nut butters that you make from Stoke different from Peter Pan? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So um, Stoke is a, a multi nut and seed butter. Um, so I really think, you know, nuts and seeds are some of the most nutrient dense, um, you know, foods that you can, you can eat. They're, they're packed with vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, um, and so the idea of combining um, a bunch of different nuts and seeds, um, you really get a much wider variety and higher amount of, you know, great vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients. Um, and, you know, adding on top of that, some unique ingredients to um, add in DHA omega-3, um, you know, increase the B vitamins, make sure that, you know, iron and copper are high, um, magnesium, zinc, um, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of those vitamins come from, and minerals come from, 
you know the nuts and seeds, but there are some unique ingredients added to to stove to again get that DHA omega three um, mm -hmm. and and also you know trying to create a, a formula that's anti-inflammatory you know using anti-inflammatory ingredients um, again going back to to peanut kind of having some inflammatory properties um, both through really being really high in omega six fatty acids and virtually no omega-3 fatty acids. Um, and then also um, being potentially contaminated with um, aflatoxins. So peanuts, because they grow under, grow under the ground, um, they're actually, you know, they're legumes and are susceptible to colonization by a sparrowless mold, which releases a spore called uh, aflatoxin, um, mm. which eventually gets ground up into the peanut um, very, very trace amounts. Um, and the FDA and USDA obviously, you know, have thresholds to where, you know, aflatoxin levels can't be above a certain level. Um, but even, you know, very minuscule amounts um, can be, can cause inflammation because um, mm -hmm. aflatoxins are a strong carcinogen. Um, so. Interesting. Interesting. So none of that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, no peanuts. No so, peanuts. All right. Very good. Very cool. Very interesting. Um, and then, so suggested use. Um, I went on your website and, and, um, and it's, what, what is it's, it's, what's the website? I know, I know the product name is Stoke, but what is the actual website? Yeah. So the website is stokeperformance.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and you can see a, a slow motion video of Wilkerson and James running on that, that website, which is very nice touch. I appreciate But, um, yeah. but, uh, I went on there and, and you mentioned it's kind of like, it can be a pre-workout fuel or like an all day type type nutritional product or something like that. Is that kind of what you have in mind? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's same use case as peanut butter. Okay. Um, you know, it, it obviously was, you know, designed with the most elite athlete in mind. Um, but it's a great healthy snack for anybody. Um, it's super low in sugar, um, again, packed with great vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, super nutrient dense, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, made with those anti-inflammatory ingredients. So it's, it's, it's a great snack to just have, you know, whenever, mm -hmm. um, you know, again, going back to the original concept for the product being, you know, optimal pre-race fuel, pre-run fuel, um, you know, that's a great use case for it. It's not going to, um, it's a low GI distress risk food too. So you're not gonna, you know, we tried to keep the fiber in it low. So you're not gonna run into gastrointestinal issues, um, when you're running. Um, but it's, yeah, again, you know, anybody can, can enjoy it. You certainly don't have to be, you know, an elite athlete, um, to, to enjoy it. It's, it's a great healthy snack for, for anybody. Is it vegan? It is. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I thought I read that as well. Very good. Very good. Um, yeah, actually with, with that, um, so the, the DHA omega-3 um, that we put in it, so DHA omega-3 typically comes from fish. Mm -hmm. um, and so DHA omega-3 is, is very easily absorbed by your body. Mm -hmm. um, the other type, so basically the, the plant type of omega-3 is ALA omega-3. Mm -hmm. um, and that has to be converted into either DHA or EPA omega-3 in your body to then be utilized by your body mm -hmm. um, and that conversion process is super inefficient it's like one or two percent of ala gets converted into dha or epa so the much better source of dha omega-3 is or um, omega-3 is dha or epa 
but the only vegan source of DHA omega-3 is algae. So <laughs> we actually have algae oil in the, in the product to right on. acknowledge that. So um, yeah, right little, little stuff like that, um, you know, really kind of makes the product unique and, and sets it apart for sure. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So I know that a couple of months ago when Molly Seidel was here in Atlanta, you paced her to the fastest half marathon that any woman has ever run in the state of Georgia. Oh, wow. Did you give her any stoke immediately prior to her run? <laughs> I, I did not. That was, uh, that was all her. <laughs> I give credit to her. <laughs> right on, right on. Very good, very good. Um, all right, so Stoke Performance, um, where else can we find it? So you can order it there. Is, are there other places where it can be bought, like local retailers or anything like that? So yeah, we're sold on our, our website. Um, we actually just um, launched it at Westride here in Atlanta. Very good. We like Westride. Yeah, it's, it's a great, great store. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're in Charlotte, Charlotte Running Company um, carries it. And there's a small boutique um, kind of marketplace in Charlotte called The Exchange that also carries it. Uh, we recently launched on Amazon. Um, cool. We're working on getting um, prime listings for for all the products. Um, right now, we've we've got it for the original dark chocolate and the trio pack. Um, we're waiting for our inventory to, to upload for the cinnamon pecan for it to, to be prime, but it, it's available through um, the Amazon seller for Felto. It's not it's not prime, but you can you can still buy it on Amazon. Very cool, very cool. Wilkerson Gibbon, we appreciate you telling us all about it. Tell us real quick, two more quick questions. First of all, what's next in your running? So next, um, in the immediate future, um, is is trying to break four in the mile. Um, right on, man. A, a bucket list. Um, a marathon or trying to break four in the mile. Not exactly what we expected to hear. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, trying to get some speed back and um, hoping that it'll ultimately help with the marathon. But, um, you know, have that that goal of, of checking that off and, um, you know, pairing that with a, with a sub 210 mile um, and trying to be one of few Americans and, and few people in the world to have both broken four minutes in the mile and also break 210 in the marathon. Very cool. Very cool. You know, most people who have done that break four, like when they're 21 and then break 210 when they're like 30. <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely no reason to do both in the same year. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a fun, a fun uh, challenge for myself and something that I think I'm capable of. So um, I'm going to go after it. Yeah. Right on. Well, you know, Wilkerson, some people would say there's absolutely no reason to put algae in nut butter, but Hey, you know, you do things differently and, and I'm here for it. That's right. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, right on. Uh, and last question, um, something we always ask to, uh, the people who are currently running and that certainly of course includes you and James, uh, what's your favorite workout? Ooh, it would be preceded by fueling up with Stoke, of course, but then once you are fully fueled and ready to roll, what's your favorite workout? favorite workout um, <laughs> or one I get the most confidence from because those are two different <laughs> I could see that I could see that you choose um I'll do favorite workout um I really like the the Michigan workout that we do um so it's it's basically a mile cut down but with tempo miles in between 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a combination of speed and endurance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, re- I really like that workout. I always, I always say I'm, I'm built for the Michigan. <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, you are a cross country guy and that that uh, workout has its roots in, in cross country running, right? So very good. Yep. Yep. So I did a Michigan with a couple of your ATC elite teammates, uh, uh, Lori Knowles and Morgan Van Gorder uh, in the run up to the Olympic trials last year. So, very and nice. yeah, it's hard, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we, we, we did it at Piedmont Park, where I imagine you have probably done done several Michigans. Yeah, yeah. I prefer to do it on the track because the time draw is a little more flashy, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Piedmont's a good place to do it, too. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. Uh, Wilkerson Gibbon, it was great having you, man, and we appreciate you coming on to the Most Pleasant is Awesome podcast. Good luck with Stoke and good luck with all your future running. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here for SlayRx, that's the number four, SlayRx, Twitter at official SlayRx, and Instagram, here for Slay RX, the number four Slay RX. Discount code Pleasant21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.